This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me to record, to use Villa terminology, a bolt-on podcast reacting to the Fulham game, uh, Mr. Chris Bird, welcome. Hello, hello. We're going to give you 15% more podcast this week for no extra cost, I might add. I did promise a, uh, after not getting something for the weekend out, we were going to do something for the midweek, and it made more sense to do a post-match rather than a pre-match. So this is an off-the-cuff reaction to uh, that glorious game at Villa Park on Tuesday night. I think the only upshot was it wasn't raining. Uh, Lovely evening. But uh, the unbeaten run goes on to 10. That equals, uh, was it the last 10 was, uh, I think, 2011? Was that, did wow. that go through the McLeish year? Was it like back end of Julia to McLeish? Because um, it's, it's meant to be, uh, I didn't believe it when I saw it. It was like May, yeah, I can't, I don't believe May that. 2011 to October 2011. So that would, for my money, if they, that was then, then that would be like the last few wins of the Julia reign. Right? Yep, yep. And then probably like eight draws under McLeish. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we need uh, somebody to uh, have a look at that because I didn't quite believe that when it said I don't believe that. 2011 was the last 10 game run. So take that with a pinch of salt. Before we go on, a word from our show sponsors, NordVPN. If you want to protect your online privacy, including your browsing and streaming, then as the fastest VPN on the market, NordVPN allows you to protect and redirect your IP address to multiple locations around the world and on up to six devices. To take advantage of the offer, go to nordvpn.com slash moms. That's N-O-R-D-V-P-N.com slash M-O-M-S. I've been a customer for three years, but if you want to try it yourself, there's also a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. So check it out. Right, I'm, I'm waiting for your phrase of, uh, this was just get the job done. It shouldn't have been, really. It shouldn't really shouldn't have been this game. This should have been a fireworks display, really. Villa kept a unchanged team. 
I mean, of course, they didn't only have the option not to, didn't they, really, other than there's one or two changes you can make, but generally speaking, you're not going to rotate. There was potential here to play Traore, for example, on the wing. It's it's not as if uh, this was going to be a tougher physical battle like, uh, you know, the Brentford and Newcastle, but you, you expected, you know, to play the same team. And uh, it was easy streak. Weirdly so, it felt like it should have been a tighter, much harder, more competitive game, considering where Fulham have been for long periods of the season comfortably above us. And after the hiding they gave us, you know, obviously with the the Gerard the final Gerard game, you kind of thought, well, Fulham will, you know, I think they've they'd had a bad run of form, hadn't they? And then they kind of won the last two. Yeah, you thought oh, they'll they'll come and give it a go. Obviously, without Mitrovic, William was out in the warm up. Maybe that obviously knocked them a little bit, but they just. You felt, oh, they'll give it a good go at some point, and they never really did. Yeah, you can't, I was walking to the ground with a certain level of expectation, thinking, well, Villa will, to use my phrase, get the job done tonight. I didn't expect it to be, as you said, fireworks, but I thought it should be a good game, but a, probably a tight one. And it kind of was maybe tighter than it should have been, but Villa just, as you said, kind of cruised through it for long periods with, especially in the first half, occasional moments of really ramping up the pace and some some really neat approach playing in the second half we just kind of managed the game and well it was it was very much like it was the home leg of the UEFA Cup tie you've you've drawn or you've won one nil away from home or you've drawn it and it was just getting it over the line mm-hmm. like the minimum that was the maximum that they wanted to achieve almost I mean yeah. Fulham had that early early chance a good effort actually wasn't it in hindsight it was probably better than you you actually realized watching it at the game but yeah, zero shots on target throughout the whole game. Martinez didn't have anything to do apart from pick that offside goal out the back of the net. I, I haven't seen it back, actually. Uh, I don't know how marginal that was. But in mm. in the ground, it was like we knew it was offside, didn't we? And the players did. Yeah, even from where you know where we sat behind, you know, behind the goal in the whole end, even at the other end of the pitch, we thought, well, the Villa players have stopped. Yeah. And they're, and you can tell they're actually pretty confident in their offside trap these days. It shows how organised they are under Emery because they, they do play a very good line. Their offside stats are pretty crazy, especially at home. Yeah. Um, there was a few, I've got to, I've got to admit, there's a couple of times where I, where I kind of shouted, play to the whistle. Konza, mm. uh, once I remember, just let the yeah. player go through. It's like, hey, just play to the whistle because if that's not given, you never know in this mm. referee world. What's going to, you know, in what's going VAR to fly? Age. Yeah. Villa had 14 shots, but, you know, that's not really reflective of uh, what was happening on the pitch. Three shots on target, only 52% possession. Uh, I mean, first half, I think we we're all over them. It's just like we let them have the ball perhaps a little bit too willingly in the second half. Yeah. But they couldn't hurt us. I mean, we watched it in the first half. It was almost like, was it three or four times they passed it out, out of touch? I, th- I kept count of four. Whether they passed it behind the man, didn't they? It's like, what are you It was doing? like, oh shit, I forgot Mitrovic wasn't playing. Because it was almost like yeah. that was the ball to him that was uh, going out of touch. Mm. It's an easy observation, oh, they're going to miss him. But it was evident, because there was no disruption in our box. There was nobody pulling us around yeah. or... There was no focal point. ...doing anything. It was an easy, easy evening's work for the back four. And what work they had to do, I mean, I think Mings would be the man of the match not just because he got the winning goal, but I think actually everything he had to do, he did really well. Yeah. Pundits hate giving him credit, but his form has been really solid, very consistent. He's getting better on the ball, I would say. Some good passing, actually. Uh, Cross-field yeah. pingers. And I think, especially with Fulham, you, you saw last couple of games, I think post-Newcastle was was always going to be that one that flagged a few things up for, for opposition teams, that if you let Villa play through the middle of the park, as we've said numerous times, 
If you open the game up and give Louise, Buendia space to play in, Ramsey space to run into, etc., we'll pull you apart, which we did to Newcastle. Fulham kind of sat two lads, they played sort of like a three off a lone striker and flooded the midfield, which meant we, we were going to have to play sort of around them or yeah, put it Buen- in behind. Buendia was really struggling for space. And at mm. times, though, I mean, he's, you've got to point the finger, he does hang on to the ball a little bit too long at times. A little bit, and he's sort of collecting the ball in the wrong place. It's like you have to, if you're going to collect it, there, it's got to go quickly. You can't have two or three touches when you're surrounded. Yeah, and they sort of negated Watkins' threat, similar to to um, Brentford at the weekend. Really, um, it, was, it was just a, a tough night's work for Watkins. He had the one sort of chance in the first half where he you know, he hits the goalkeeper. I think Ramsey did really well, and then the second half there was the shot that somehow didn't get given for a corner. Yeah, Tosin, I thought was was really he did really well actually. He looks well, like this kind of gangly player, and you and you just look at him. You go, he didn't look that great, and actually, he dealt with Watkins very well. Mm-hmm. He just negated the threat, especially in the second half. It was just a tough night's to work for him. Uh, we got a little bit isolated. You know, teams know how to stop him now. They they don't want to let him run. You know, run into open ground, and uh, and I think playing with his back to goal was always going to be a difficult one against against a player like that. Where if it's yeah. into feet, fair enough, people can play off him. But if it's going longer, it's going to be very difficult to get any sort of uh, grasp on the game. Apart from Tosin, the, the rest of the team, like midfield upwards, they, they almost look like clones of each other. They're, they're all mm. similar height. They're not, not the great, not the biggest of physical profile. Kind of no. tidy-ish without being spectacular. And yep, I was thinking, I can't, I, I, I can't believe how these, these guys were being spoken about in terms of the European places going back a few more weeks. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'll give them credit for their performances earlier in the year. They took some scalps, etc. But just on the Villa Park performance, it all felt a little bit powder puff to me. Yeah, because was... at Craven Cottage, they they set about us and slapped us about. I was embarrassing that night. It shows how bad we were, really. And they were obviously confident at that point. But maybe it's that they didn't have Mitrovic, who's the bully boy, who, and then they, they can all play off him. They, yeah. they just didn't have a focal point to their attacks. And it, it just felt like two teams who were, were kind of... There was almost an expectancy that Villa thought, well, yeah, we can win this game. And Fulham were like, yeah, we'll give it a go, but we don't really think we're going to win this one. Once Ming scored, near post corner from uh, McGinn, flicked on. And a nice leave by Buendia. It was like a test match batsman, wasn't it? Just letting it go. Yeah. Because yeah, it, it was, was offside. Actually. If he didn't touch the ball, it was a great leave. <laughs> he kind of made a point of telegraphing it, didn't he? Yeah, completely over-exaggerated, <laughs> but I like it. I'm all for it. But once that went in, you thought, mm, well, on the basis of what we've seen so far, I was thinking I could go home at half-time here, and I know we've already, <laughs> I know we've won. I should have really, shouldn't I? <laughs> I mean... When you dial it back, you think, I mean, Emery, second half, Emery's thinking, I don't give a fuck about your 15% rise in season tickets. We're, we're not here. We're not the entertainers. We're here. This is a UEFA we're Cup. We're to win. UEFA Cup second leg. We just need to win 1-0, and that's what we're going to do. Thank you very much. I, I don't care about your, your terrace bar. You're paying £25. <laughs> I don't give a shit about that. We're just here to take the three points and go home. Yeah, with minimum outlay of effort. Luca Dean came on, and there was two or three moments where he got the he got the uh, the out ball. They played it out to the left, and he didn't go forward. No. It's like he's been told. They've been told. Just manage the game. Just manage the game to the, an extreme degree because Lucas Dean was through and it's like, why is he checked himself there? Yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd say maybe manage the game. I'd, I'd go a step onwards. Strangled it. Yeah, it's, it's not a derogatory thing. I think it's a really good skill that we've got. We absolutely killed the game as a spectacle. Yeah. And that is the epitome of what we've spoken about when we had sort of Gerard, even Smith to a certain extent, other managers with this philosophy football. We want to play, we want to entertain, and we do this and we do that. And Emery's like, no, we just win. Yeah, this this Dean Smith, you know, remember when he walked through the door and he said, you know, if you want to look, the best, you know, the best uh, best thing to do is get scoring of a goal. 
And if it's 2-0, you know, 2-1 can be a difficult result, so we'll go and get the third, and that's great sometimes. <laughs> but it's naive as fuck. And, uh, <laughs> in, the, in the Premier League it is, when one mistake can lose you a game. Emery's more like, if we're 1-0 up, forget about that extra 15% season ticket rise for <laughs> entertainment. You might as well go home at half-time, because that's how the game's finishing. There's a real trust factor, though, isn't there, when they were doing that? I mean, there was a few times in the first well, half. Well, the cartel like it. I mean, you know, Martinez, yeah. all up for it. Louise is kind of big on it as well. Yeah, they don't. They don't mind. They'll keep the ball because it's they. They get a kick out of it. You know, they they like the dark arts. So there's, a, there's they're kind of mm. smiling on inside when they're draining the soul of the opposition. I mean, the Fulham lads and their fans. They must have been getting. Well, they not even must have been. They clearly were. They were getting very infuriated at the Villa. Yeah, and the game in general, just this sort of lack of flow, I suppose. But it, Villa said, "Well, go on then. If you want to open up, you can open up the game. And when you do, we'll pull you apart." which we did on a couple of occasions in the second half. We didn't really go for it particularly, but um, there's a real trust thing, I think, now. You, you see with the fans where Villa were p- almost passing it across the six-yard box a couple of occasions. Well, I, I was going like, to say, okay. I was going to say, Chris... And they were applauding it. We'd go backwards, we'd keep the ball, the fans would applaud, and you think that's a re- that could be a real turning point mo- moving forward where the fans are like, well, this is the plan. There's enough of a body of work now of evidence to go, well, it's clearly working. We can't... You know, there's going to be moments... You know, probably this season moving forward where it's going to go wrong, but it's it's working. Chris, if there's one player that sums up the the Emery the Emery way, it's Dendonka. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's like talk about pretty... get it and give it. It's just like whoa, hot potato. Just get it off to the next man. Well, no, no, no. I'm talking about control. Oh, he gets he doesn't it. Move. <laughs> he lo- looks around. He'll move a bit and then he'll pass it off. It's like I'm, so I'm that's what I'm saying. It's like a stranglehold of the game. Dundunker yep. didn't make a mistake apart from when you play Stevenage. And if it's in the air, he's going to win it as well. It's, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's like economical, it's uh, it's measured. But that was pretty much Villa in the second half. It was like how Dundunker yeah. plays. Well, not taking any risks whatsoever. I mean, as I said about uh, Luca Dean, it checked back to the uh, extent he could have been through on goal in one opportunity. And it's like, nah, we're not having that. Mm-hmm. But the Dendonka, yeah, it's very measured performance, and again, and I think Emery kind of values him uh, in in that match day squad. Him. Yeah, you, you you give him a job, and he does it. It's almost like you know in Sunday league back in the day, where you'd say to your holding midfielder, just hold the centre circle, and it's like the the pro equivalent of that. He just you know um, he hasn't got the legs to to bomb on, which Louise does. But because of that, it frees Louise up to kind of run the game, and and Dendonka can just sit there and do the, the do the dirty work, as it were. And does that very well. Won three aerials as well, which is actually more yeah. than any of the uh, defenders. So he's, he's a tall uh, guy, isn't he, to be fair? Yeah, he's, well, he's good. Is he 6'2"-ish, something like that? Got to be at least, yeah, I'd have thought. He just suits the way we play at the moment. That's not to say that I think Kamara and Louise are the, you know, they're the, they're kind of like the, the big guns moving forward. But if you've got someone like a Dendonker in your squad, there's, because I, I looked at the squad last night and with fairness, there were probably four lads there that you didn't really have any intention of bringing on. Yeah. You know, with the two goalies, Revan and Tommy O'Reilly, who unless the game was completely won, you aren't going to give a kid a debut. You've got Diego Carlos, who hasn't even had a, played a game in, in ages because he's been you know, sitting on the bench. But you kind of think, well, he's, he's probably going to get a moment. But you trust what's on the pitch at the moment. The one thing I would caveat was that I, by the end of the game, it felt with players like Young, I think Moreno would put a big shift in the last few weeks. They they did feel, even though we were in control, there was a little bit of sort of legginess and they do need a little rest before the old Trafford trip just to kind of reset because we're not rotating. Luckily, I think once you get United out of the way, you're basically playing Saturday, 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 aren't you, to finish the season. So you will yeah. get the, the breaks in between. But we've played a few games at quite high intensity. You know, Newcastle was intense, but on the front foot, 
Brentford, I think we had to really battle and put a shift in. Fulham, we kind of tried to take the pace out of it, but we we didn't necessarily have that second or third. Well, we maybe cruised in second gear, but we didn't have the third and the fourth gear to kind of go, actually, we can slap these about a bit. Well, the good um, news in, in terms need of... need to, fortunately. The good news in, is that uh, before Villa's trip to Manchester United on the Sunday, United have to go to Spurs on the Thursday. Yes. And yep. that I think that will be Spurs' last stand, really. So that will be, a, let's say, a, kind of a high-octane game. So hopefully mm-hmm. uh, we'll uh, have them a bit drained. Yeah, it's an interesting one. That It feels, I mean, we've said this so many times down the years and it's gone horribly wrong, but it, it doesn't feel like the worst of times to play United. No, because uh, I think because of Spurs' collapse, that they, I mean, United, United have got a few games in hand, so I think they'll mm. be reasonably content that they... I mean, I'm just looking at their fixtures, and after the Spurs game, they've got to play Villa and Brighton. They're like pretty much their toughest games, and then they'll look at the rest of the fixtures and think, yeah, we should uh, glide through in the Champions League, no problem. And then obviously their eyes will be on the, the, the Cup final, but... yeah. And with all the sort of, the, there's a lot of protests going on that are planned for the Old Trafford game with obviously the, the Man United ownership situation. Yeah, I don't I think, think that really affects the, not on the field. There anyway. No, but it's just whether the, the fans kind of get on top and get behind the team or whether it's it's all very much anti-Glazer. I think there's a potential there for another 1-0 that like yep, I witnessed exactly when I went there with the old Gabby goal. Yeah, or like the one last season where we kind of, obviously with the last minute penalty miss, I think Fernandes is potentially out. Um, yeah, it doesn't look, just look too at good. Manu's, Manu's kind of strength in depth lack thereof. You'd kind of say, I mean, you know, you remember the you know the cup game earlier in the year, which we lost, but gave it a good go. And we kind of lost off our own back, really, because of obviously... There's no way we're losing that game playing like we did against Fulham <laughs> if we go 1-0 No, well, it's just, <laughs> I, can see, I can just see it being, this is the kind of game where, as we've said, you, you, you're almost embracing the Emery approach, going, just go there and bore Man United to tears. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, you've got Martinez saying five more cup finals on that, but if you treat them like cup matches, I don't think that's the worst approach for Villa, just in terms of treat them as individual games and manage them as best you can. Well, that's what he is doing. He's very much uh, yeah. game to game because the mentality has been spot on in terms of yeah. focusing on individual games without thinking too much about Europe and you know mm-hmm. the grand picture. Yeah. We are where we are because we've just methodically been making strides. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
there's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Uh, as me and Phil said in our uh, uh, My Old Men Said Members Extra podcast, uh, going back a couple of weeks now, uh, we did fancy hunting down Spurs. And uh, that's playing oh, out at the moment. They've collapsed. I mean, I'm looking at that Spurs home game in a few weeks' time, and you think that's a big game for Villa, and probably for Spurs for slightly different reasons. But well, if they want, I think that's if they a want huge to be in Europe, they've got to beat us, really. And the problem yeah. is, I don't think we can get away with how we played in that second half against Fulham because while no. we managed it, we did give them a few openings that a better They've team got more quality to make things happen oh, they, they, they would they would have punished us I think if we were playing Spurs yeah. and, and yeah. got loose like we did we need to pretty much like we did to Newcastle and Newcastle did yeah. to them and that's just blitz them yes agreed. I think you can get out their back line it's not all that enormous, and they're clearly not confident you know, but they still have Son, Kane they have attacking threat as good as anyone in the league it's just whether they can hold it together they've conceded the 51 goals that's atrocious. Isn't you've it? got you to go. To be positive. You've got to have a go. You've got to go down to the fifteenth in the league until you get a teams that uh, have conceded more than that. I mean, even Everton have only conceded forty six compared to Spurs's fifty one, which would suggest that Spurs are trying to play and can't. Yeah, and they're not pragmatic. I mean, they score plenty of goals. Only Liverpool, Arsenal, and Manchester City have scored more than Spurs. So. Uh, that shows you that well, you know how how that they're pretty much like Keegan's Newcastle, aren't they? Yeah, except they're not sitting second in the league. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, it was one of those games where maybe best to watch it at home. Uh, one of those if you'd missed it, you, you haven't really missed it, if you know what I mean. I mean, I, en- I enjoyed the first half because there was a bit of a chess battle about it. The second one was kind of attritional and a pretty hard watch at times. Yeah, I, I, I'd be interested to know actually the last few games with the, the toss, you know, with home games. If Villa have won the toss and want to shoot to the hole in the first half and to get the lift, get the crowd involved. The second half, it's like you're expecting. Oh, Villa will come out second half and they'll give it a really good go and kind of didn't for you know, whatever reason. Fulham were Fulham, Fulham were obviously better, but. I posed that question, was it Villa actually uh, making that decision? Because I've enjoyed the games where they've actually attacked the Holt first because it, it sets the game, the tone for the game up. It does. So it, it leads me to believe that it's on their uh, on their time that they're actually doing yeah, we've, this. Yeah, we've, we've sort of described it before. It's almost like Villa are going for knockout blows there. Yeah. Right from the start, go and get the knockout blow, get it get it done early and then, and then control the game. Rather than you know, if you feels like maybe if you tune to the whole in second half and it's a tight game, they don't want to go for it quite so much. They want to do the heavy lifting in the first half when they're fresh. Uh, in terms of fallout from the season ticket price increase, just a few people moaning on Twitter earlier and, and criticising the fan consultation group. Essentially, they there was just a presentation to the group. I mean, unfortunately, because I mean they pounced on the Newcastle game. There was going to be a meeting with Perslow's like the end of the season. It was either going to be like late April, early May. Suddenly, on the Monday after Newcastle, you suddenly get an email. Oh, uh, sorry for the short notice. Uh, fan consultation group meeting Thursday. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I'm out of the country. You know, expect some uh, heads up. And of course, it's a key one. It's one of the two proper Perslow discussions. And you think this is not ideal. So I had to attend it virtually, which is basically listening to it on somebody's laptop in the meeting, the support liaison officer, and you could ask questions via chat. You get a lot of people giving it the big one on Twitter. Oh, you know who? You know everybody's sucking up to Perslow, blah blah blah. Perslow is formidable. 
in terms of he, all his senior staff tiptoe around him. And, uh, you know, some dickhead with an, a the silly name Twitter account is going to do shit in a meeting. I have no problem standing up and uh, challenging Pursler. I mean, but, you know, I've had experience for years interviewing like the, you know, big, big names, whether it's like Hollywood actors, royals, fucking Mike Tyson, Pele, whoever, you know, nothing phases me in terms of that. So I have no problem. But obviously I can't do anything. But when you're sitting behind a, a laptop in another country, but at the same time, it was a presentation. This is the amount that they're raising it's not like a discussion yeah there is no what do you think yeah. do you think we'll get away with this is this is a kind of a this is how it's going to be you can pass it on to the fan base you can be the messenger and get shot by the fan base Literally, it's kind of how yeah. it played out uh, you can be the sacrificial lambs in this case you get transparency you get to know about this before they announce it officially now that gives you a window of get your pitchforks out yeah, and do something about it. I would have said the optics aren't good on this, but it's you know the the horse has bolted already. They've they've run the figures. They've decided, and uh, you know I put out in this BBC column. I do. I I basically wrote that for the fans that aren't happy. I mean myself. If the price gets to a point where uh, I think it's taken the piss or I can't go because I'm you know living wherever, then I won't go. Simple as that. I'm not somebody who will grumble, oh, the price is up, and then within two seconds renew my season ticket. I'm taking that to the end of that, uh, is it May the 31st? Something like that, yeah. I'd rather have that money in my bank account for an extra month. Thank you very much. Yeah, there were, there were two layers to it for me. There was, firstly, obviously, the ticket price thing, which which isn't great, but most people are probably still going to renew. The big, the, the worst one for me was the upselling, you know, the, the bar area and the terrace and all that nonsense in the whole end, which I tweeted, you know, the whole end is about all for one, one for all. It's a together thing. It's your, supposed to be your core support all in one place. It's not a financial thing. Spending, was it 480 quid a season or 25 pound a game on a couple of pints and supposedly some food? Yeah. Bear in mind that the level of service in the rest of the ground is trash anyway. So you aren't getting an executive experience. This isn't a five-course sit-down dinner or anything. And you're taking away uh, capacity from... The main concourse. The main concourses. But the yeah, thing so there is... The thing, it, the lowing, thing there is... Down, aren't you? They do these surveys, and they're kind of skewered to, uh, we want this to happen, uh, yeah, how are we going to do it? they well set, haven't they? But what people should have done... I mean, only 3,500 returned that survey, and that was your opportunity to say, no, don't want it, no, not interested, no, don't want it, not interested, don't want it. But I'll be interested to see uh, how many people pay that extra 25 quid a game just to buy a drink. <laughs> it's a fucking I mean, expensive I spoke to, I reckon um, I spoke to about maybe five separate people in the ground about that last night, asked them, and they were just, it was a hard no. And these are guys who go home and away, so these are very loyal supporters who will put their hand in their pocket for the club. And they're just thinking, no, I'll just drink elsewhere or more and more people i speak to are saying i don't spend money in the ground anyway yeah no, neither do i to be honest because it's you know, just it's a the thing off. of yeah and it's plus i don't get there early enough to no <laughs> you're saying that i will close dum, dum, the, saying that dum, dum, i will close dum, the whole dum. suite if i'm uh if i have c company yeah. and we are chatting well it's it, it's kind of good in there and it's free and that's that's the where the, the dynamic becomes interesting because all of a sudden if you've got the choice of spending 25 pound a game in the stand or you can just queue up for 10 minutes and go and get in for free in the whole suite which i would say is nicer you're going to do that I'd, i would have kind of got it if they'd have said well we're going to use the whole suite for something else now i think most fans would kind of accept that well do you know what we've had it pretty good in there i understand it fine don't say that out loud we'll, we'll yeah. be uh 
they'll be listening but, in and they go, oh, yeah. hang on a minute, they've had it Ooh. good, right, we're going to clamp down on that tenor to get in. My argument with the whole thing was just level up the whole whole end experience. You can do that. Get the concourse up to scratch everywhere. Give everybody a better service. Give them the reason to stay. We mentioned um, before. Well, no, if you're, Man United if you're, have tried to do it in the Stretford back end. Back-to-back price increases, like su- substantial back-to-back season ticket and pri- yeah. you know ticket price increases, you should be levelling up anyway. Of course, and there's areas in the ground that are even worse, aren't there? I mean, Doug Ellis season ticket holders spend a lot more. You could have quite easily done a lounge, like the lower Doug Ellis, say. Um, Now, they've been spending a lot of money for a long time, people who sit there. The whole end, a lot of people have had the Holt suite. It's kind of like, I just think they've kind of missed the point, and whether they they don't realise or they just use it for PR bullshit, but they don't actually get what the Holt end is or any, you know, Cop end or uh, Stretford end at Old Trafford or you know the, the yellow wall in Dortmund or all these things. It's a it's a different cultural experience without sound meaning to sound too grand about it or too sort of sentimental. But it isn't the upsell. It isn't the kind of executive experience. At any club in Europe, you get to any top club in Europe, and the home end is not that. Even Tottenham with a shiny new stadium. When Perslow and uh, Nicola Ibbotson were saying, uh, you know, going back a few months, oh yeah, we want to speak to Holt Henders. And I said to them, I ho- hopefully you will think about the atmosphere and what the Holt End is before you get into your upsell. And that, you know, everything I needed to say was in, in that word. They're desperate to upsell every fucking thing. They'll upsell the toilets if they could. Be like Ryanair of football. Yeah, it, yeah, it's getting Bring your like own that. seat. It's getting like that. It's like we've done the data. We can upsell this and that. Because I think most fans, if they'd have combined all the, the, the problems, if you want to call it that, if everyone had had a fifteen percent increase, but it was justified by going, listen, we want to use that money for this. We're going to upgrade. Yeah, we're going to give you a better this, this, and this. But it doesn't feel like that. You know, even little things like, well, they've got rid of the free. It's never free included cup game. Things like that. It's like fans are like, hang on a minute, my. My so-called benefits for my outlay of cash are getting less and less and less and less. And it's like, oh, yeah, but you get priority for cup games. You're thinking, well, too fucking right, I do. Chris, why are you whinging? You get you get priority for away games. <laughs> and I get a pen. It's a lovely pen. Away game priority where you can't get a ticket. It's brilliant. <laughs> oh, you have no admin fees. Oh, thanks for that. Thanks for that. Brilliant. Yeah, it's a joke. It's a joke. Uh, season tickets should have. You should feel like you're kind of special because you are trumping up close. To, you know, getting closer and closer to a grand. And you know, I, you know, back in the day, I'd, I when you could just turn up at Villa and get a ticket. I just I thought uh, season tickets were a waste of time because I c- could never fail not to get a ticket for any game if I wanted to go. And you know, also I lived out of town, so it's not in my interest to buy something that's for every game where I want to be a bit more flexible. But now it's a different matter because A, they've got this kind of Orwellian uh, perpetual war waiting list that makes people have to keep their season ticket or FOMOs them into it because they feel like, oh shit, Mm -hmm. if I give it up, I'm fucked. How legitimate that waiting list is and how many of those people actually would fork out the books there's a big difference between being on a free waiting list without any uh, real you know commitments to be on that there's no sacrifices there you just say yep i'm on the waiting list there's a lot of people around the world living in far off countries that are on that waiting list they're going to be struggling you know to come in from the states uh, or australia to watch the get every game because it's not going to happen but they just wanted to be on the waiting list so th- there is a disparity between the reality of those people that, you know, how many people actually take your seats. But 
I mean, this is a subject for another time, and I've alluded to it before, but in a nutshell, when you've got Saudi, Abu Dhabi, and Qatar throwing all this money in, it raises the prices of everything. Well, it distorts the market enormously. It distorts the market, and this is what's essentially happening. I'd, I'd say with that, it's like people... And I see a few on Twitter saying this. It's like, oh, if you want Villa to compete, you've got to spend the extra money. And then you crunch the numbers and you go, they're going to take home about, what, two and a half, maybe three million a year extra match day revenue. That's a season. Spurs are making a shitload more. It doesn't feel like a particularly efficient way to squeeze two million quid. Just get Sanson off the wage bill and sell Keenan Davis. Or, you know, you're not, two million isn't, it's that two million, that ain't going to get you competing with Chelsea or Man City or whoever in the, in the, transfer market it's nothing no yeah that, that extra 15 percent uh, as uh, phil shaw put it it's around let's say about 2.8 million which if west ham stay up we would get 3 million as an add-on and so you're going to make more money from that uh, west from west ham staying up than you are from increasing everybody's uh, tickets by 15 percent, and that kind of show you know it's these fans that say, oh, yeah, but if you want Villa to compete, blah, blah, blah. Yes, uh, they do have to level up their business everywhere, which way possible. But this is a sour taste. And it's not really to much big benefit. I mean, they just did a big betting company. So they'll sacrifice the supporters. They'll sacrifice ethics for the money. All well and good. But it's when you shit on the supporters and doing it back to back like that. It's not good. It's all right getting Emery and uh, to mention the supporters straight away. Lots, many supporters are naive to the fact that they're being played here, where you get all these messages, oh, you know, thanks for the supporters, for your support, blah, blah, blah. It's, the comms are there on purpose. They're not, uh, it's not the first thing that rattles off the top of the head. They're getting past the phone, oh, can you do a message for supporters? It's all contrived. And then to shit on them with that a back-to-back big, big rise, it leaves a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah. But anyway... Thank you uh, very much for uh, our supporters of the My Old Man Said podcast and the website, My Old Man Said members. We're looking forward, actually, for this, the Match Club epic. Man U ones are always good, aren't they, to be fair? Epic Match Club finales to the season, the Manchester United game, the Liverpool one coming up. If you are a My Old Man Said member, as well as getting ad-free podcasts and extra shows actually we'll do a mad few uh, Q&A one for this mm. month in the next few days you also as well as the extra shows and the ad free shows you do get access to Match Club uh, in a Circle which kind of essentially is a live podcast on uh, the day of away games as well as the 24-7 inner sanctum of continuous communication a cut above what you see on social media and also there's different sections as well outside of the the villaverse uh, because we seem to have a lot of common interests and uh, people with a bit of insight on various different subjects so it keeps it interesting uh, throughout the week right mr bird i think it's something for the weekend next uh, before the manchester united game so we shall uh, adjourn for that one so thanks for joining us for this extra show and until next time it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him goodbye days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans